in the bay going crazy. Go crazy. Put peace on the hood, Mercedes. Whoa. Young boys letting off 80. Lean next to a DR like Haiti. This ain't no corner, no Bailey. No internet clown gon' play me. Money ain't never gon' make me. I can win with a couple bucks like Brady. If she ain't baby, you cannot shame me. When they gon' pay me to shut my mouth. Ain't gotta okay me, then they gon' save me. I'm finna stay free on what is up everyone we are back with another episode of shaping the culture and today we've got a special guest with us i'm incredibly excited about this episode and this guest for so many different reasons um, but one being how inspired i've been shaping the culture has been inspired by um, what ruslan has been doing the content that he's put out um, as you guys know the name of the uh, podcast is shaping the culture and that's exactly what ruslan is doing with his content he takes cultural uh, um, uh, events that are happening, theology, philosophy, ideology, and he measures it with the scriptures and he does it so well. And so for him to be with us today is a great honor and a privilege. Can y'all please help me welcome Mr. Ruslan with us? What's up, man? I'm here. We're here. Yeah, in the flesh. In the flesh. Yeah. And everything is working. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I want to talk to you today about purpose and what it looks like to follow your dreams. And something that I have picked up on some of the things that you've been doing is that you've been able to do what you have pursued well, whatever it was, whether, whether it's music or YouTubing, everything that you've done, you've done well. And I guess a question I wanted to ask you to start this whole thing off is, have you always been a dreamer? Have you always been a visionary? Have you always been someone that thought big and just went after it? Or how, how did that come to be? Yeah, yes. The short answer is yes. Yeah. But I think as I went on further and further, things evolved and how I thought about these things changed. Yeah. And hmm. I would say the more the things regarding dream purpose changed, hmm. the more I aligned I got into what it was that I wanted to do yeah. for a specific season. Yeah, yeah. That's real. I, I love that you mentioned that because I think sometimes we just log on Instagram or TikTok. We see somebody doing something. It does really well. You make a lot of money off of it. And you're like, you know what? I want to pursue that. But it sounds like there's a little bit more intentionality to what you do now and a little bit more purpose um, with what you do. Um, what what was the catalyst for that? Like, how, is it just experience? Is it failure? Is it getting what you wanted and realizing this isn't everything or it can't be everything? Like, how did you get on that? that path to being a little bit more specific? I think foundationally in Western society, we have a issue with conflating vocation with purpose. Mm. So people think that what you're doing is your purpose. Right, right. And that's not, it's yeah. not. Like your purpose is to know God, make him known, glorify him. Yeah. It's not being a Christian rapper or a Christian right. YouTuber. Like that's a, that may be a seasonal assignment. Right. And so then you're pursuing the thing instead of becoming mm. the type of person mm. that is capable of doing a variety of things right. and based on what season of life you're in or what's happening you can then do the thing you right. know right so f for me the idea of a god dream mm -hmm. right like i i have this dream and i'm trying to tell god about my dream right that is a part of the American paradigm. Yeah. You are told and indoctrinated, and I use the word indoctrinated mm -hmm. intentionally, that you can do anything, you can be anything. Right. That's not true. Right. Not right. everybody can be anything. I've realized very early I couldn't go to the NBA. Mm. That wasn't in the cards for me. Yeah. So this then bleeds into the church, and so it's like, mm. 
you're trying to actualize whatever it is you feel like you want to do. Right. When the reality is you're susceptible to influence from so many different areas of life, whether it's watching a celebrity preacher or seeing right. a Christian rapper. Or, and all of that could be very short-sighted because right. that may be cool for that person and that may be what assignment God has for them, but that's not necessarily what you're supposed to be doing in your season. Yeah. And so I think a lot of folks become disoriented pursuing their purpose right. instead of becoming the type of person to walk in purpose. Right. So it's more yeah. so about who are you yeah. in this season, yeah. less about mm. am I a successful Christian rapper? Am I a successful Christian YouTuber? Am I a successful Christian tech CEO? Am I a successful podcaster? Yeah. Those are all seasonal assignments right. and not the, the the purpose of someone. The purpose of someone is to know God, make him known, glorify God in every area of our lives, right? right? right. And so the more I got into let me live the way God would have me live, yeah. and if I say I'm going to do music, then I actually have to be capable, competent, efficient, yeah. connected, yeah. right, to do music right. and not just say, well, I'm a Christian rapper, that's right. my purpose. Yeah. I don't know if God, like in, in the... <laughs> In the, in, the, in the assignments of spiritual gifts, I don't know if Christian rapper is one of them yeah. or Christian YouTuber is one of them, but we treat it like they yeah, are. Yeah, and so we true. idolize vocations as spiritual callings, and yeah. that's just not what it is. Yeah. I think there's like a difference between, I mean, there's a lot of different types of the will of God, but I think about the sovereign will of God mm -hmm. and the revealed will of God. Mm -hmm. And I think too often we pursue the sovereign will of God mm -hmm. over the revealed will of God, mm -hmm. meaning God has made it plain, honor your mother and father. Yes. Uh, he's made it plain, do not covet. He's made it plain, forgive those who have trespassed against you. And we bypass all of those things and we try to discover what are the things that have not been revealed in scripture. Mm -hmm. Who am I going to marry? What school should I go to? Mm -hmm. But as we pursue the revealed will of God, we find ourselves in the sovereign will of God. Right, right. I think about Saul, how he became king. It's fascinating. His father lost some cattle, some sheep, and he's like, go look for it. Mm -hmm. He goes with the servant. As he's obeying his father, he runs into Samuel. God tells Samuel, this is the next king of Israel, and he finds himself the king, mm -hmm. never pursuing that. But as he obeyed the father, he found himself Mm -hmm. in his assignment or what have you. Mm -hmm. And so what what would you say would be your encouragement? What, how would you encourage others? Okay, um, it's good to have dreams. It's good to pursue something, but to care more about character, care more about obedience, care more about becoming who you need to be so that you can take on the assignments that God has for you. Foundationally, I think one is getting aligned with Jesus, mm. right? And then two, I think it's detaching from some of the indoctrination of right. Pursue your passion. Be a, and again, I'm a guy who makes a living off of my passion, passion or yeah. a passion, not yeah. my only passion, but a passion. I have a lot of passions. I'm yeah. passionate about hanging out with my kids. I'm yeah. passionate about my local church. I'm yeah. passionate about music still. I'm passionate about all kinds of things. But I think we have to unplug from that and go mm. like, that's a very modern, right. new concept. Yeah. And it's a very American yeah. concept. That's not like... You don't go to other parts of the world and they're like, pursue your passion. Find the one thing you want to do yeah. in your life. And if you do that, you'll never work a day in your life. Like yeah. a lot of that is nonsense. You know, it's not real. Yeah. It's not real. Yeah. So if you can detach from that one, I think two, discover with God's purposes for people. Yeah. Which is important. Right. Yeah, that's good. And then three, work towards developing the character. Mm the capacity and the the skill set yeah. to have a very unique skill set yeah. that could actually serve people right. and be a, a blessing to people. For right. me, that was working at my church for a couple of years. It was running a boutique 
label, right? Yeah. And so all along, I was like getting paid, not a, not a lot, but getting paid a little yeah. to acquire more and more skills, to yeah. grow more and more competent, to become, yeah. to have more and more capacity, to be able to stretch myself more and more. Yeah. And I was able to make a living working at my church. I didn't make a ton of working at my church, uh, yeah. doing the media stuff. I, you know, it was a, it was reasonable, you know. And then I ran the Queen King's Dream label, so I got to understand these things. And so all, over overall, I developed this like unicorn of a skill set. Mm with the life experience right. to actually know what I'm talking about. Right. And then the YouTube thing was just kind of like, mm. just, I see Sean Cano from Think Media doing it. Yeah. Seems to be working. I see my buddy Curtis King. Yeah. Seems to be working. Belief seems to be working. <laughs> like, I have a similar skill set. I, I, I right. got to find what my unique proposition is right. to the market. Right. What am I, what value am I offering? Yeah. Right. All those guys have very different value propositions, which is another right. thing with Christian sex, self-actualization. Good, yeah. You don't really know what you're offering. Right. What, you, what is, what is, what is the point? Yeah. Why should someone watch you instead of watch Alan Parr? Right. You right. want to hear a 21 year old guy give me theology, Bible studies about Calvinism? Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Why am I? Why am I listening to you? What do you know? Right. Yeah. What do you know? Yeah, You're yeah. 21, bud. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I'd rather listen to the 45 year old who went to Dallas Theological Seminary. Right. He's been married for a couple of years, has kids. What is your unique value proposition? Right. And so it's like people see someone else doing what they're doing, not understanding the the, the two or three decades right. that it took them to become an Alan Parr. Right. So that's why I don't do a ton of Bible studies on right. my channel because right. there's Alan Parr, and Mike Winger. Go watch their Bible studies. They so they actually went to seminary. They yeah. actually know right. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. so, it's they like you don't about, you yeah. don't know have a value proposition. So right. I think if you can then to the very specific side of things, what is a value proposition based around a skill set and the expertise you have? Yeah. That is missing in the marketplace. Right, right. And there's opportunity for it in the marketplace. Maybe not right now, maybe in a year or two years from now. And so I looked at the marketplace and I said, man, I'm inspired by Mike Winger. He's yeah. doing these incredible hour and a half long Bible studies or he's doing these videos, breaking down. A, wow, that's cool. Yeah. I'm watching Alan Parr. He's doing these 10, 20, 30 minute bite-sized pieces. And I'm like, yeah, I can't really, I'm not really that guy. Right. Right. But there's no one really speaking to what's happening in news and culture right. and what's trending yeah. and and kind of looping it back in the closest person i saw was my buddy john mccray but he's th his videos were almost like video essays yeah where it's like he's very calculated and, yeah. and, and everything is written out word for word and he's brilliant yeah uh but there was no candor there was right, no right, right, like right. we're gonna talk the way we would have a conversation at a barbershop right? yeah. at a barbershop yeah, at a barbecue yeah. right at, at at the at the basketball game after the game's over we're, we're, we're chopping it up we're talking yeah. so I saw that and I'm like, okay, well, let me just kind of do it in my own way and yeah. infuse it in my own way and drive it back to scripture in my own way. Let yeah. me go longer, not shorter. Right. Right. Yeah. Let me like, uh, we, we have a, our second channel right now, Bless God Studios, which is the, those videos are longer. They're, they're 20, 30, 40 minutes long yeah. going over Andrew Tate and yeah, yeah. Patrick David talking about how men need respect. Oh, by the way, there was a best selling Christian book in 2004 that my wife has read multiple times called Love and Respect about Christian marriage. Yeah. Andrew Tate is echoing something we've been talking about in the church for 18 years. Right. That's a 30 minute video. That's not a 10 minute video. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And so, like, unpacking those things in a way that's different and also not it being like it's coming from your youth pastor or right. from a pastor. So, like, the tone, the pacing, the the conversation the the humor right. the candor the bravado yeah. right like all the and it's not like I'm like I'm really this guy yeah, all yeah. the time yeah, I'm yeah. this guy around my kids I'm right so it's not like I'm putting on a, a face so all of that is a byproduct of knowing yourself and right. knowing what the vision is and what's different and what's missing yeah 
And I don't think enough people know that because all they've heard is the Gary V right. just make content. Right. You can make right, content right, right, and right. it just be trash. That's yeah. what I did for the first couple of years of YouTube. Yeah. I was trying to be the Christian Gary V for Christian rappers. Yeah. And then I realized Christian rappers ain't really that much, that big of a demographic. Right. And I'm not really that much of an expert on marketing. Yeah. And they don't really care to improve their marketing. They're right. content with having their 50,000 followers on Instagram playing the same churches and being Lecrae Jr. Right. It's not really a, a demographic that I need to speak to. Right. You know, whereas like right. Curtis King did the same thing. He went broader. He spoke to just rappers and producers. Now he's just more producers, a broader demographic, right? Yeah. But when I pivoted away from that yeah. and just wait, well, let me just share my faith, which I hadn't done. Yeah. People watch me like from 2017. I started uploading 2015, 2016. I stopped because I was running the boutique label King's Dream. Then I started back up in 2018. Yeah. I didn't really mention my faith in depth until like years later. Yeah. It was more like mindset, motivation, from kind of like from a Christian worldview, but I didn't do Bible studies. I didn't really do Bible studies until 2020. So I was yeah. on YouTube consistently uploading for years right, right. before I ever did a Bible study. Right, right. And in hindsight, I realized, well, Bible studies around issues that matter to men, around tying in current events is... I've been doing that the longest, yeah. longer than I've been doing music professionally. Yeah. That it just it just all kind of made sense and it was missing in the market. So you see how many variables and things a there lot. are in it? Yeah. So people are like, follow your purpose. <laughs> like, stop. It's not that simple. Right, right. Because you might be interested in good, the collection of pogs. Right, right. And that may not come back around. You know, do you know what pogs are? No, I don't. You, you don't know what pogs are? Explain that okay. To me. Pogs were these little pieces of paper and these little things called slammers, and you would stack pogs on each other. And you would flip and, and you try to oh, get yeah, your yeah, I know that right. Is. So yeah, it was yeah, in the yeah. 90s. I, I played with it. Yeah, yeah, right? I, I know what it's called. Better. So I don't I don't know if pogs are back in, but hypothetically, somebody yeah. might be passionate about pogs. Yeah, yeah. Pogs may not be booming again or come back around again ever yeah. or for five, ten years. Yeah. So you can build a YouTube channel around pogs, yeah. but they that may not be a need. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You could build a YouTube channel about around, but so it's like timing and figuring out what's happening and where things are going. Yeah. Um, and so That's I good, again man. it's it's just it's not as simple as it's made out to be, right? But it's not. most people who become successful don't have the self awareness to retrace their steps and tell you why they became successful. They became successful on accident. Yeah, they were at the right place at the right time, caught a wave. Yeah, you know. So yeah, you mentioned a key word that I want to talk about is pivot, and you've done this so well. From I mean, you still put out music, but from doing exclusively hip hop to YouTube to the type of videos you do on YouTube, and I wanted to talk to you about that because I think that you're an you're just a master at this. You're really good at figuring out your niche audience, figuring out what the need is, knowing your value and executing. And, you know, we could talk about a whole bunch of things as it pertains to failure. But I don't, I don't, I mean, maybe you can give me the inside scoop, but watching you from the outside looking in, mm -hmm. I don't feel like failure was an option. It was mm -hmm. always, let me pivot. This didn't work. This is not a reason why I should give up mm -hmm. on what I want to pursue. But, let me figure out why this is not working. Mm -hmm. Let me figure out what can work and let me pursue that. And you just did it until you got it right. And so mm -hmm. can you speak to that? Because I know for me, I can be discouraged. For instance, on YouTube, I was doing reaction videos and mm -hmm. I found out very quickly, this ain't me. Mm -hmm. I'm a conversationalist. I can sit down mm -hmm. and have a conversation. Yeah. I can ask questions, great follow-up questions. I can sit and we could because I do this all the time. That's right. what got me into podcasting. Right. But reaction videos, I saw that it was popping. So I was like, let me do this. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't who I was. Mm -hmm. And now I'm getting back to more conversations, more interviews. It's mm -hmm. just who I am, what I'm about. But can you talk to the pivot? Like, how does one discover or how does one get in the habit of 
um, identifying what works, what doesn't work, knowing what needs to be given up on altogether and what needs to just be refined? That's a great question. I think, one, you got to define what your degree of success is. That's good. Yeah. Right? So for me, I was relatively successful as an independent Christian rapper. And by relatively successful, I mean I was living in Southern California, providing for a family. Yeah. A lot. My wife was stays home and raises our kids and homeschools our kids. Yeah. That's fairly successful. That's success. Right? Yeah. Uh, grossing six figures, uh, some years multiple six figures. But if we're talking about what is success, yeah. what, is, what is that? What is that? What is that bullseye you're shooting for? A lot of people don't even know what that is. Right. So for me, success is defined in a very specific way. Monetarily, it's to be able to afford to buy a home and right. pay it off in a foreseeable future yeah. in Southern California or wherever I feel like God's calling me to live. Right, right. So if I look at that and I go, okay, so what's the, what's the biggest earner in Christian rap? Okay. And I, and I kind of know what the numbers are. Yeah. Right outside of a Lecrae and like the outliers, like yeah. what's you know, and, and there's not a lot of folks making multiple six figures, taking home multiple six figures, right. buying homes in real estate areas like Southern California and paying them off. Right. Right. So once I discovered that, I said, okay, well, I either got to pivot away from Christian music, right, and go broader. Yeah. Can I do that? Do I have a competitive edge? Do I know TikTok well enough? Right. Am I a Nick D? Can I make records like Nick D? Can yeah. I make records like Montel? Yeah. Not really. Yeah, yeah. Not right now. Yeah. You know. And it, 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 or do I just try to be the Lecrae in Christian rap? But do I want to deal with the rock and roll worship <laughs> tours and the and the and the winter jams yeah, yeah, yeah. and in that world? Yeah. Yuck! Nah. I don't want to deal with those people, right? So, so yeah. I don't want to do that. Yeah. So I'm Yuck. doing I'm doing okay. Yeah. Right. I'm 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 fine. And then the pandemic hits, and I'm like, okay, well, mm. I might as well. Right. Try really going in on YouTube. And the interesting thing about YouTube is the very things that people tell you not to do because right. they don't really know what they're talking about. Yeah, that's real. Is the things that help me become successful, specifically multiple uploads in a day. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. That's a bad idea. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I had done I, an know. upload a day for a long time Yeah. because I was doing what you were doing. I was traveling, hanging out with people, doing conversations like this, chopping them into multiple clips. Yeah. But I was doing a video a day. But then when once I went to kind of conversations based around topics people care about so it's part conversation part reaction and but the multi-upload thing right is what really did it yeah and that was the the not just the pivot to a platform but the pivot to a method of using the platform mm -hmm. in a way that the platform would benefit me yeah so once i pivoted to that then i instantly replaced my music income yeah like within a month yeah within yeah. a month or two Music income replaced. That's crazy. And I was like, whoa, right? So it just goes to say that, like, if you're really tapped into what you're supposed to be doing and you're paying attention and you're understanding things, you you, you, you kind of got to follow your gut and not listen to, like, best practices or, like, right. industry standards. I think those are some of the worst terms that get a lot of people to delay. They're like, well, you know, the best practices is industry standards. And you look at Rogan or you look at right. now it's a lot of the reaction channels like Young Don and whoever, Sneeko, whoever. They're all doing multiple uploads right. a day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I was doing that in 2020. Right. Because Rogan was also doing that. And so I was like, okay, there's something here. Yeah. And so I stopped doing that. Yeah. In 20, this year, we stopped doing that. We, we said, okay, well, let's just do one good video on my main channel. Yeah. But for fun, we launched the Bless God Studios channel, which is right there to your right. It's pulled yeah. up. It's a stream we did last night. Yeah. And I said, well, let me just 
I need I can't just talk about one thing. Right. I'm naturally multidimensional. That's wrong. You two build a niche, talk about your niche and do your niche, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, I, I don't I want to talk about relationships. I want right. to talk about fitness. I want right. to talk about health. I want so we okay, I'm not gonna do it on the main channel because I don't want to confuse people. Right. So we start, we do the spin-off channel, which is actually the old King's Dream channel. We yeah. just rebranded it. Asked the artists if they want to leave their videos up. Mostly everybody said leave the music videos up. Yeah. And we went to instantly went to multi-uploads and instantly the same growth. And so this channel, which is at 40,000 subscribers oh, wow. right now, yeah. is generating the same AdSense as my main channel. Oh, my goodness. Why? Multi-uploads. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And any YouTube expert would be like, no, you're oversaturating. You're all over the place. It doesn't make sense. Why are yeah. you talking about an Andrew Tate in one video and then talking about Judah Smith in another video? It makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. But the next iteration of the quote-unquote influencer is not going to be the guy that talks about one thing right. really well. It's yeah. going to be about a guy that's multidimensional, talks about a variety of things right. with an understanding and a foundation and can go deep on multiple things. I yeah. think that's where things are going. Yeah, yeah. And so, again, I'm always watching what's going. So I'm always pivoting. I'm o I pivoted to this, and I pivoted back, then I pivoted, right? And yeah. so I'm just... Because at some point you have to know what, what what's happening, but you also right. got to know what your skill set is and what right. you're capable of. And yeah. so we literally doubled our AdSense in a month. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, That's incredible. in a month. Yeah. And so what would be the alternative? Oh, man, you just got to make better videos. Mr. Nah. Beast, you got to make better videos. You got to know your niche. You got to you gotta know the uh, retention graph of, of how long. Why, why do people stop watching? Yeah. You got to give away money. Yeah. You got to take a penny across the state, right? Yeah. Okay. Or I could just find interesting topics that I care about and riff on them. Yeah. And grow my channel that way. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah, so anyway, I could talk about this stuff forever. But no, yeah, I think I generally it. speaking, pivoting is being self-aware, seeing the opportunity, knowing what you're doing, why you're doing it, yeah. and and knowing what your goals are. If you don't know what your goals are and you're on YouTube, like, doo -doo -doo, mm -hmm. I'm just going to make, like, okay, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to make a million dollars a year? you want to make 100000 a year? Right, right, it's right. different. I need to make a million dollars, right? I need to make way more money than the average person, so I have to approach it right. with a different intensity. Not because I, I'm a workaholic and I'm going to do this indefinitely. No, 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 because I'm going to sprint yeah. for a very specific window of my life, yeah. hit my goals, and then have flexibility to do other things that yeah. I'm passionate about. No, I love that, man. That's so good. So. I wanted to talk to you. I know you, the way you just broke that down speaks to how calculated you are. Like You don't just do anything. Sounds like you put some thought into it. And I wanted to know, this is, a, this is something that's been on my mind for a while. How much does luck have a part to play in success? Because I don't think this gets talked about enough. I know you're supposed to work hard. I know you're supposed to um, you know, educate yourself on how the market works. I know you're supposed to be able to pivot. I know that you're supposed to do all of the, these things right. Know your value, what you bring to the table. But how much does luck play a role in all of this? Or as Christians, we like to call it the sovereignty of God. You know, like, Yeah, I was going to say, are we talking luck or are we yeah. talking providence, <laughs> sovereignty of God? Sovereignty, yeah, yeah. What are we talking about? I'm trying to yeah, make yeah. sure everybody feels included in this. Okay. But yeah, sovereignty of God, that no matter how much we plan, just God is 10 steps ahead of us. Mm -hmm. And he's every little thing is planned out and every little thing he's working all together uh, for our good and ultimately mm -hmm. His glory. Um, I think about Paul. One of my favorite stories that doesn't get talked about enough, in my opinion, is in, in Acts, where Paul plants the church in Philippi. But he tr he's like trying to travel to all these different cities, mm -hmm. and God keeps telling him, "No, don't go. Mm. Don't go." Mm -hmm. He's like, "Man, I want to go to Macedonia." Mm. He has a dream. He's like, "I see a." He doesn't want to go to Macedonia. Actually, he has a dream of a woman in Macedon or a man in Macedonia. Mm -hmm. He wakes up and he tells his guys, "I." I think this mm -hmm. is where the Lord is leading us. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I think we're supposed to go to Macedonia. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have like a concrete plan. He doesn't know if he's heard from God altogether. He's just going off of a hunch. Mm -hmm. He gets to Macedonia. 
he can't find a man because there are no synagogues. There are no synagogues because in that day and age, you need at least 10 men who are Jewish to have a synagogue. Mm -hmm. But he runs into some women at a well, Mm -hmm. and Lydia happens to be one of Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. He shares the gospel. The Bible says he opened her heart. She Mm -hmm. accepted Jesus. Her and the jailer, long story short, he goes to prison for preaching the gospel and casting out demons. Wild Mm -hmm. story. He goes, he meets a jailer. He accepts Christ. Lydia and this jailer plant the church in Philippi. Mm -hmm. And that story is phenomenal to me because Philippi is a great church. The church in Philippi is great. But all of that was a result of a hunch. Mm. It was a, mm, I think so. Yeah. I'm not sure altogether. I think this is what I heard from. I think God is telling me to start the podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think God is telling me to make music. I think God is telling me to go mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. But I don't really know. And then what's interesting is he gets to Philippi or Macedonia, and he doesn't see anything he saw in his dream. In mm. fact, he sees the quite opposite. Mm-hmm. He doesn't see a man. He sees a woman. Mm-hmm. And so speak to that a little bit, the providence of God, the luck that mm-hmm. we experience, like just going off of a hunch, thinking, I think God's calling me to plant a church. I think God wants me to, but I don't know. And then as you just kind of work that out, you just see God blessing it and doing his thing with it. But yeah, speak to that yeah. part of success, the the providence of God. I think it's a huge part of it because it is part instinct, part timing, yeah. part being at the right place at the right time around the right people, yeah. people liking you and giving yeah. you a yeah. shout out without even knowing, why is Alan Parr showing me so much love, yeah. right? Like I'm meeting people now yeah. who are potentially working with me. We brought somebody on and they saw me on Alan Parr's channel. Wow. I was on Alan Parr's channel when I had 70,000 subscribers. Mm. So this person's been following me and potentially is, is he's coming in, he's working in once a week with us. That's his little space over here. Yeah. And it was because Alan Parr just saw something in me very early on in the process, put me on his platform. That helped me out tremendously, right? Yeah. What, what is that, right? right? Providence, luck, whatever you want to call it. I would, I would, I would say providence of God, right? Yeah. I think this is how I look at it. If I'm sober, mm. if I'm sober about who I am, I exhibit two types of bias. One of them is selection bias. Mm-hmm. I am exposed to... A, a hybrid of a person that that the people in my circle love Jesus, yeah. make good money, yeah. are good looking, yeah. right? Yeah. Take care of the bodies. Yeah. Like that's a selection bias on my part. Right. And Hafiz, my buddy Hafiz from the roommates pointed this out. Meaning, like Ruslan, you don't get it. Yeah. Most people aren't like this at all. Like most people are lazy. Most people yeah. don't take care of themselves. Most people aren't motivated. Most people right. rather watch 30 hours on Netflix a week. Most people rather play the video games. Most people rather eat like crap. Most people right. rather not read their Bibles. Most people rather stay addicted to porn. Yeah. So you have a selection bias based on, one, the type of church I go to. Right. Well, I'm in Southern California. Yeah. My pastor's a triathlete. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like my, my pastor's white. His wife is black. Yeah. I'm in a multicultural environment. By multicultural, yeah. I just mean multi-ethnic, right? Right, right? But there is new culture built on these specific pillars of right. entrepreneurship, on loving Jesus, of course, on marriage and family, on being fit. That's selection bias on my part. Now right. I'm also a creator, so I'm around people who are also like this. Right. So even if I'm not in my local church, yeah. the guys I'm talking to, Alan Parr, into fitness, right. loves Jesus, yeah. makes good money, yeah. knows the word of God, yeah. right? Like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm attracting people. Yeah. And so my, my selection bias has me looking at the entire world as like, anyone could do this, bro. Mm. Look at all me and my friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyone could do this, right? No. Uh, yeah. That's, not, that's actually not true. <laughs> that's not how it works. And yeah. then the second bias <laughs> that I would say almost anyone 
who speaks to any sort of motivation, whether it's Gary Vee, whether it's Patrick McDavid, anyone that does this, we also we also look at this is called survivorship bias. Yeah. Have you ever looked into survivorship bias? Just a little bit, but I, yeah. yeah, survivorship bias is a trip because what, what happened in World War II is they were studying these planes yeah. were they were coming back from these missions, and they were looking up where these planes were shot and 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 where the bullet holes were left. Yeah, and they were. Uh, 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 saying, okay, where were these planes shot so that we can reinforce the mm. areas where they're getting shot? Yeah. And someone came along, I forgot who it was, uh, but he said, wait a minute, you're looking at planes that, that survived mm. and you're trying to reinforce the areas that they were shot. That doesn't make any sense. You actually need to look at the planes that failed mm. to know what, right, to what happened to them, right. not the planes that, that came back. It. Yeah, yeah. What we do is, in society as a general, we love the story of the person that was homeless and became a billionaire. Right, right. But Jay-Z. most people never become billionaires. Most people never become successful who, who went through that. No one gives a speech in their 60s on why they failed at life and why they don't have anything, right? Yeah. So we, our, our minds naturally gravitate towards, right, uh, we'll look at Oprah. We'll look at Barack, right? right? Like racism is dead because look at Barack Obama, right? It's like our president is black, right? Yeah. Our president. It's like wait a minute, like that he is an outlier, and we're looking at at the survivors, right. not at the people, mm. the average person, right? So I'm sober. Yeah. That the the paradigm and the bias I have around the world yeah. about the world yeah. is through the lens of selection bias because of the people I have access to, yeah. and I and I admire people. Who are survivors, yeah. and I and I have a survivorship bias with the way I look at things. Right, right? I'm right. sober in that. I don't know if anyone, everyone else is, but I'm sober in that. Yeah. However, when we're looking at that, my mind goes, "Well, why would you not want to study those people? Right? Why would you not want to study the right. people that are survivors, right. the people that are outliers, the people that don't fit the mold? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I am intentionally always looking at the people." Yeah. Who, who became successful, yeah. what do they do, what are their attributes, what are their character traits, right. people that specifically became successful and are married and love Jesus, yeah. right? What do they do, what are their attributes, how many days a week did they take off, how many, right? Like all these different things. Yeah. And so in regards to luck or providence, some of that can be mitigated again mm. by studying people mm. who have done the thing you're admiring to do. Right. And and not studying what they did. This person woke up at 4 a.m. This person woke up at 5 a.m. This person woke up at 8 a.m. No, no, no. It's not what they did. Right. It's who they became. Right. And right. what are the skill sets they had? And how right. did they become? And what areas did they compromise in? Right. How did they build their business? What right. are their revenue streams? Right. right now, I'm looking at a lot of guys and... You know, a lot of guys get really rich selling education. Mm. I don't really care to sell education. Yeah, I have yeah. a course. I have a bunch of free courses. I'm not trying to make seven figures off selling education, right? right? right. So I don't want to sell education. I'm looking at guys who wrote books. I'm looking at guys who build platforms. I'm, right. I'm looking at guys that did things differently yeah. to know all the aspects. And ultimately, I'm looking at how do they become this person? Right. So intentionally study the outlier. Yeah. Study the person that that right. that was you know, uh, 25, 30, 40 pounds overweight and got shredded. Right. What do they do? It's not just all genetics. Right. A component of it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. but there's something else there. Right. What did they do? What was their mindset? What was their intensity? What did they have to give up? What did they right. have to say? So I think we we approach the question of luck, in my opinion, yeah. by looking at the people who got lucky, right? Right. And right. what did they do to make themselves different? And be sober about it. Right, like, right, I'm right. sober, bro. Most yeah. people aren't going to make it. Yeah. Most yeah. people will never have abs. <laughs> right. Most, right. right? There's, statistically, you're more likely in America to be a millionaire than you are to be fit. Mm, that's crazy. There's 25,000 people who have a shredded physique, meaning mm. they're walking around 
sub 15% in their app show. 25,000 people that are elite level athletes, right? There's 15 million millionaires in America. Net net worth is a million dollars. There's half a million people that make a million dollars a year, meaning Mm -hmm. their take home income is a million dollars a year, right? right. Right? That's still a very small percentage, but statistically speaking, Hmm. people aren't fit. They're not in shape, but that doesn't mean hypothetically everyone can't be. Right. So I'm looking at what did those people do to become right. who they are, not right. like, not 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 like the specifics, but like their mentality, their right. their patterns, their their things. How can I tip the scales as much in my favor as possible, right. so that yeah. when opportunity comes around, I'm prepared and I'm yeah. capable of it. Yeah. Most people aren't thinking like this. Most people are like, well, what did Gary Vee do? Bro, what Gary Vee did is not what's going to work for you. Yeah. You're not going to take over your dad's wine shop. Right, okay. Right. Well, what did Lecrae do? What Lecrae did 20 years ago is not going to work for yeah, you. Yeah, right? Look changed. at what are people doing right now. Yeah. That's why I get frustrated with Christian rappers. I want to be a Christian rapper. I want to be successful. Like, okay, go do what Montel and Nick D do. Mm. Go do what Foggy did. Right. Do that every day, all the time. Yeah, yeah. Consume yourself with TikTok. Yeah. There it is. It's simpler than ever. Right. right. It's harder than ever. But it's simpler than ever, yeah. right? And so it's like I, I get irritated with Christian rappers because like, all right, well, what do we do? How do we do this? Like, yeah. bro, we literally have three people from our community, four people if you want to count Toby. Though I feel like Toby oh, was yeah. further on in the uh, earlier on in the process. Yeah, yeah. That literally just did the thing on that requires, yeah. which is master TikTok, make great videos for TikTok, visuals, short form, make them punchy, and they're all different. Foggy, yeah. Montel, Nick D, all different. Yeah. Go study what they do. Right. Stop complaining about, right. no, everyone's sleeping on me, dog. No, <laughs> you aren't competent or capable in yeah. the things that require you to be successful right. in said arena. Right, right, right. right, right. Did yeah. they get lucky? Sure. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. algorithm, but were they super duper uber consistent yeah. and consistently flooded TikTok? And yeah. then, right. And so that, that that's what I mean. Like mm, study good, what people are doing. Yeah. And if you're good, what you'll discover is most people, especially followers of Jesus, are actually substantially more generous. Right. And will give you their time and attention right. if you're actually doing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Alan Parr will hop on a call with me today. If I said, Alan, I need you right now. Yeah. He'll hop on a call with me today. Yeah. If Nick, if I needed Nick, he'd hop on a call with me. If I right. needed PB, Montel's manager, he'd hop on a call with me because I've shown myself competent and capable in other areas. Right. So they'll give me the counseling and the and the, and the consulting yeah. free of charge yeah, yeah. To, to help me roll out my next album yeah. and my new music. Yeah. Right? You yeah. see what I mean? And so yeah, it's like, incredible. if yeah. you're not, competent become competent yeah if yeah. you're not capable become capable yeah yeah that's very hard right it it's is. very simple but it's very hard yeah most people aren't built like that most people aren't willing to sit and play on tiktok over and over and try and you yeah. know most people are like i did it it didn't work you did it twice bro yeah. you did it twice <laughs> yeah, i yeah. did the youtube video it didn't work okay did you refine it? Did you look right, at the right. analytics? Did you try? Did yeah. you write the 10,000 hour rule is about yeah. 10,000 deliberate hours. Yeah. You sit in front of a piano and just pluck for 10,000 hours, you're going to be trash. Yeah. Right? You might get a little bit better. You sit down in a piano with an instructor and a book yeah. and a system yeah. and, a, and a and a goal, yeah. you you could become an amazing piano player, right? right? right. Yeah. Genetics plays a role, luck plays a role, getting yeah. being in the right city with the right coach with the right piano player and the right all that plays a role, the providence of it, but yeah. most people I think unfortunately aren't willing to really give it a shot yeah yeah there's we're distracted we're too too consumed with other things no that's real this kind of goes into the theme of this season for me um the seas uh the theme of this season for shaping the culture is do not despise the days of small beginnings come on and i feel like the reason why we're not competent the reason why we don't work so hard is because we are just waiting for that one shot, that mm-hmm. one opportunity. But you mentioned this so beautifully. 
um, are you ready for that opportunity? Are you ready? Like, let's say that 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 open door was to come tomorrow or even today. Mm -hmm. What have you put in your 10,000 hours? Have you put in the work? Have you shown yourself to be excellent so that you could make a lasting impression on whoever it is that you're Mm -hmm. trying to impress? But I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit. Like, what does it look like? I mean, even the studio space that we're in, I'm inspired because you're making, we talked about this before we started recording, you're making a lot happen with mm-hmm. a little. Mm-hmm. And that's you maximizing, you not despising the days of small begins. I've even heard you speak on your chat like, man, we want to expand, we mm-hmm. want to grow. Realistically, that's just not where we are. But that hasn't hold, held you back at all. Mm-hmm. You've continued to show up, you continue to be faithful, you continue to be excellent, you continue to grow. Um, but I feel like a lot of people get knocked down by the small. They're intimidated by the hundred views that they get Mm -hmm. and they're like, man, I should be getting more views Mm -hmm. or man, I'm not getting the streams that this person is getting and they back down or backtrack altogether. Mm. Um, Can you speak to what it looks like to embrace the days of small beginnings and to maximize the small beginnings and then to scale from there? You always feel like you're experiencing small beginnings, Mm. right? Like the people I know, who are very successful still don't feel like they're mm. very successful because mm. there's always somebody more popular than you. There's right. always somebody with more subscribers, more views. Good. So that never really ends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're naturally competitive people. Yeah. So we're always looking at, you know, I got two hundred twenty-five thousand subscribers, but Young Don got two hundred eighty thousand yeah. subscribers, <laughs> right? And it's like it's so it, it gets such a small difference, and then I'll, there'll be someone else, and then there's always someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And you think that, oh, when I got to 200,000 subscribers, I'll feel this way. Right. Nah. There's always the next milestone. There's right. always the next thing. So the day of small beginnings is always. All the time. Right? Wow. That's the, a fact, word. the fact that we have this space. I used to dream when I was next door in 2016. My, me and my family live next door so that we're in the living room of my condo, the condo next door to my house. Right? So we rent both places. I used to dream about having just a space. Mm. Then I used to dream about having a studio like that that was functional. Then I used to dream about, man, I can't wait till we get this studio yeah. up. Now I'm dreaming about, I can't wait till I buy a home. I can't wait till I buy a home and put a 1,200 square foot spot because this is about 300 square feet. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what could I do with 4X? This, the, right. Then I'm going to be thinking about buying the film hub down the street. That's yeah. 5,000, 10,000 square foot. That's a full on space with mm. multiple rooms and yeah. an infinity. Like there's always the next thing. Right. So, that you, you you'll never mm. you'll never be like I've arrived, mm. right? That's never mm. a thing, in my opinion. I think yeah. someone there's always going to be something else, right? And mm. which is why it's important to have those anchors, you know, and and, and those mm. boundaries and parameters. Yeah, I would say I heard something. I had Alex Hermosi say something really interesting, and he paralleled it to fitness. He had a mm. short or a TikTok about this, and he said most people overestimate. Excuse me. Most people underestimate how much it requires to grow muscle, mm. and they underestimate how little it requires to maintain. Mm. So most people start training, yeah. and they underestimate how much it requires to actually build your shoulders. And he was talking about his calves, like he wanted his calves bigger. Yeah. And so he said, in order to grow his calves, he'd go in and the first 10 sets of his workouts every day, high volume, he would just work on his calves. Yeah. He said he underestimated how much work it took to get his calves big. Mm. But now that he's super duper buff and big, most people underestimate how little it takes to just maintain mm. your, your, your body, yeah. right? And so it's the same way in business. Yeah. Most people underestimate how much work it actually takes 
to do something disruptive in your own output and your own workflow and all these different things. And they underestimate, okay, now that I'm here, it's actually not that hard to maintain, right? right, right? right. So the growth is always going to cost more than the maintenance. Yeah. And in, in this entire thing, you, you have to ask yourself, what am I trying to grow? Am I trying to maintain, right? right. I view it as I can't control the output all the time. Right. I can't control what YouTube's RPM is going to be mm. um, based on if there's a downturn with inflation. I can't control that. No, all I can no. control is my input. Right. Right. I can't control. Um, I can't control my genetics on if I can broaden my shoulders and grow my biceps by. Right. I, I can't necessarily control that. Right. I can control my input. Right. I can control going to the gym every day. Right. Right. I can control progressive overload. So I consume myself with what 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 can I control, right. and then the chips kind of fall where they may. Yeah. Will I get to a million subscribers? Will I not? Will I get to five million subscribers? Will I not? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I'm going to control mm. my input yeah, it's good, man. every single day that's good, man. and let the chips fall where they may. That's yeah. kind of some of that providence thing. Now, yeah. the coolest thing is when bigger creators see that in you and say, oh, bro, when you're at two, three million subscribers, I'm like, three million subscribers like <laughs> i'm trying to get to a million you know yeah. and, and, and that and that's super cool because yeah, yeah. you you people who've gone where you want to go see it and, and and call and speak it encourage it and affirm yeah. it and that's dope but you can't control that kind of stuff yeah. like you can't control I mean, we can't control if youtube's gonna be around in five years yeah yeah i might get to a million subscribers and it'd be irrelevant yeah yeah think about all the people booming on instagram right now right, right. as instagram is dying yeah and tiktok is, and TikTok is taking off yeah, is yeah. it really that important how yeah, many instagram yeah, followers you have yeah, nah, yeah. not as much you know <laughs> that's right. still relevant and so you can't control the output of things you can only control what you can control so i input what i can and i do my job to be faithful and then God, the algorithm, yeah. the audience—they yeah. have to, you know, that that that's outside of my control. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I feel like we could do this all day long. I'm getting so much from this. You've been dropping nuggets all, all conversation long. But I got one more question, and that's about the power of encouragement. Um, cool story. I was in Atlanta. We were at Joe Solomon's house, and Preston, Preston Perry, um, he encouraged me in ways I didn't know I needed mm. regarding the podcast. Mm -hmm. It's like bro, you're, you're good at this. Like, mm -hmm. I want to see you grow in this. Like, um, I want to see you continue in this because you've got something here. I remember being in Tampa at KB studio, mm -hmm. KB saying the same thing. And I don't know if I would still be here if I didn't have people who were doing it at the level I want to get to one day and even, you know, progress that mm -hmm. speak into the little speak mm -hmm. into where, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't even have a thousand subscribers yet. Mm -hmm. Um, we're building and growing there, but to see people come alongside and say, hey, what you got is special, continue in this. Mm -hmm. um, you, you just earlier mentioned about how there's people that are like, yo, you're going to get to two, three million. You're like, mm -hmm. I'm not even at a million subscribers mm -hmm. yet. But I don't know. I believe that encouragement is supernatural. Mm -hmm. I really do. I think that there is something. I don't think it's a natural thing. I think when you're encouraged and people see you and people um, fan into flames a lot of what you got going on, it could really accelerate and even um, can, um, encourage you to keep going mm -hmm. um, in whatever that is that you're pursuing. And so speak to whether it's your family, your church community, your friends, your tribe. Uh, maybe it's a comment on, on YouTube. I don't know if you even look at the comment section or what mm -hmm. it is, or maybe a DM that you got. Speak to the power of encouragement and how has that helped you get to where you are today? All right, I will, and then I got a question for you. Um, yeah. I think encouragement is... Very powerful when coming from the right source mm. and attached with 
something tangible. Because mm. I think just encouragement for the sake of encouragement, affirmation for the sake of affirmation is... Pointless. Yeah. yeah. But I think if it's like <laughs> coming from a, a credible source yeah. who then can give you some bit of nuggets, some bit of insight, yeah. I think... I think definitely is a needle mover for me. Yeah. Again, you know, Alan Parr, I find him extremely enc encouraging. Preston Perry, you know, yeah. Preston and Joe Solomon gave me an interview. I don't think I had 10,000 subscribers wow. yet, you know, yeah. early on in the process, yeah. you know, yeah. and that was kind of some of my first videos, 2019, that kind of started to, 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 to have some pops um, very early on in the process. And I'm, I'm forever grateful to those guys. And I, anytime yeah. I talk to them, I'm always like, bro, thank you. Yes. You know what I mean? Thank yeah, you. They're good guys. Uh, yeah. Good guys, man. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I've, I've been able to maintain relationships with them and I'm sure they'll be coming back on my channel eventually. Yeah. So I think that side of it is extremely important from the right source. And then when there's something tangible attached to it, I think it's very powerful. And so yeah. I, I would say that the, 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 the tangible, yeah. you know what I mean? The tangible. Yeah. I mean, and again, in my own life, man, I have so many encouraging people. And then I have, you know, and sometimes it's not in, just encouragement. Sometimes it's like competitiveness that's also mm. helpful, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, just I like having that. that like, all right, bro, I yeah, see you. Yeah, yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. I'm coming. You know, I see you're, bro, stop. Like, you don't even know why you're successful. Like, <laughs> I got you, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I know why you're successful and I could articulate it better than you, but yeah. you don't even know. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think there's also players. that that's also a, a good component yeah, yeah. to it. And I, I think it's on both. You know, I think I think yeah. many of us are, are wired different. But the flip side to all that is like we you can't let the lack of encouragement Man. deter you Man. from doing something Talk that you, you feel that that yeah. that tug. Yeah. You know, you feel that like, ah, oh, this. I think God's encouraging me to do this. You can't let right. the lack of that right. derail you, because, again, man, the things I'm sometimes the things I'm least encouraged in are the things that really be working. And uh, lately it's been this multi-upload thing. Wow. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like I'm breaking all the rules of YouTube, bro. Yeah, I'm yeah. breaking all the rules of keeping the niche. I'm breaking all. But I'm thinking the next generation of right. whatever this is is not going to be the guy that just won one thing. I do kitchen tutorials on how to cook. <laughs> right, like I don't think it's going to be that guy. Yeah, like yeah. I can get in the kitchen and show you how I meal prep too if right, I wanted to. Right, right, you know, right, maybe right. I will. Maybe yeah, I will yeah. make a video that's on nutrition. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think it's the person that's multifaceted. So anyway. Yeah. That that would that would be my my view of encouragement. My question to you is, yeah. what do you feel like for what you're doing, is that missing sauce? And what do you feel like for what you're doing is that missing piece, to get you to get that jolt? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think consistency, to be honest. Okay. Um, I think we've talked about this too, but I'm also a church planter and pastor, and so I. You Wait, know, you're you're a head. Pastor of yeah, a church? Yeah, I co-pastor. You yeah. co-pastor. Yeah, you yeah. and another pastor yeah. pastor together. Yeah, yeah. We, we planted the church six months before COVID, 2019. Okay. And that's a whole story in itself of how God kept us yeah. when we were about to shut down, yeah. having church online. Are you guys affiliated with any, like, not, denomination not or anything? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, there's no support coming in from SBC or anyone? Nah, okay. Nah, nah. Okay. We, uh, we, we entertained all of that, looked into all of that. Okay. We were like, now nah, we're going to do the solo. And we planted from the Ethiopian church. And I never thought of planting to begin with. The Ethiopian Orthodox Church? No, no, no. We're, we're Protestant. Okay. Yeah. Ethiopian Protestant Church. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which we're going to talk about, like, I think Ethiopian... Ethiopia is the first Christian nation, but I know you're. We got beef, now. fam. Armenia yeah, yeah. is the first Christian nation. Oh, no, bro, I've been scared you say that. I'm like, oh, it's, the, it's, it's, it's been debated for so long, yeah, bro. Yeah, it's yeah. they they say somewhere between 300 and 310, both nations identify, and so who knows, you know? But it's it's a funny yeah. little little yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah. Did you know that there's actual um, 
Armenian communities in Ethiopia? Oh, yeah, yeah. We were actually just talking about this on the drive here. Yeah. yeah I found out today. I didn't know beforehand. Yeah. I yeah. think it was after the Armenian genocide. Yeah. Ethiopia welcomed. a bunch of kids. Right? Yeah. yeah. And there's still, like, little communities in there yeah. of, like, Armenians. It's such a trip. Yeah, yeah. No, it's... Have you ever been to Ethiopia? I have not. Have you ever had Ethiopian not. food? I have had Ethiopian food. Okay, okay. Um, my buddy Bartholomew Jones from Coffee Black just went to Ethiopia. You should be okay. following him. He's dope. Okay. They get all their uh, coffee sourced from Ethiopia. Oh, nice. And they do this, like, enrichment education on, like, the fact that coffee comes from Ethiopia. Yeah. So... John, uh, I was doing the same. Yeah. Portrait, yeah. And I'm... Uh, so I'm going to Armenia, okay. God willing, next year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so anyway, awesome. go back. Uh, going back, you said just... Uh, being a church planter, the consistency. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, church planting took a lot mm -hmm. um, out of me. Still does. Um, but I love it. It's great work, but it just demands a lot of my attention. And we're still in that early phase. I know mm -hmm. we just celebrated three years, but it really feels like only a year mm -hmm. because we started meeting again in person 2021. Got it. And so there's a lot. It's a grind, man. Building culture, raising leaders, mm -hmm. discipling, mm -hmm. sermon prep, all of that. There's a lot that goes into it. And so... Um, I do this when I have the time to do it. Gotcha. Uh, but I want to talk about discipline, talk about being competent, talk about working hard. I want to like continue to grow in that because people just keep affirming the podcast. People keep encouraging it. Um, I don't know how I got Ruslan on the podcast, but I got people like you and different people that mm -hmm. say yes. I mean, everybody always asks me, how did you get so-and-so? I had Hafiz on one mm -hmm. time and I'm like, I really don't know. I just ask and they say, okay. And, yeah. and so I see favor in that. I see god doing something with that and i see that the lord is he's just given me an opportunity i want to maximize it and mm -hmm. so but that's what i'm thinking okay. about going into this next year have you thought about figuring out a way to glue your church planting with the podcast what what is that like how would that look so one of the things i've been talking to my past local pastor and local pastors about in general is like gluing some sort of like follow-up to the Sunday message. Oh, yeah. So if you're preaching, or yeah. the other guys preaching, because you got how, how often are you preaching? 50-50? or what's what does it break down to? Yeah, I, I preach a little bit more. Okay. Um, but yeah, we're about even. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So doing something like, hey, you you preached on Sunday, and then you and your co-pastor yeah. or someone yeah. sits down and does a thing that unpacks the message. Yeah. That is your podcast. Yeah. And the podcast serves as a utility. Right to the church because now they hear you on Sunday but they also got something to carry you midweek right. podcast becomes a platform for the church it becomes a commercial for the church right, as well right. to get more that's folks in the door I think this like midweek podcast thing I okay. think could be really yeah. powerful especially if you're already creating a talk on Sunday yeah. and then you can go deeper like how long are your sermons I, I'm, I'm long-winded, man. 45 minutes an hour. Okay, yeah, so you, yeah. I'm sure you can go another 45 minutes oh, to an hour easy, yeah. of all the stuff you wanted to talk about, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Exactly. And so you can go deep on all the other stuff, and then, that, again, that then gives a utility to your congregation, but it also everyone outside of your congregation can hear about the church, yeah. and it allows you to continue making stuff. So maybe it's what I'm saying is like maybe that. it's not always an in-person yeah. conversation with a guest. Right. Maybe it's just a consistency of making cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then if you can tie in something relevant right. from culture, news, yeah, society, yeah, which yeah. I'm sure you probably are thinking about yeah. what's happening on a global scale. All our sermons, because we have such a young congregation, mm -hmm. and so a lot of our messages, we have to we have to be culturally competent. We, yeah. have to, we don't just exegete the text, we exegete the culture yeah. and make sure that it's practical yeah. for their everyday living. Yeah. So then you tie that in yeah. to the pod, 
you know, maybe you didn't go as deep as whatever the thing that inspired the cultural moment that inspired it. Right. And then that helps from an SEO standpoint. Right. And that that helps the, the consistency of yeah. it. Right. And that I gives you an outlet. That. But I think it's also like finding the, the space of how like everything is done. Like you walked in here and everything was set up within what, five, 10 minutes? We yeah. were rolling from yeah. the moment you guys walked in. How long? Take 10 minutes? Not even. About 10 minutes, right? So yeah. also having that space right. wherever it is yeah. where you can go from, all right, we're going to sit down and talk to, talking right. in the shortest window possible yeah. and preferably from talking to publishing right. that's why i go live because right, 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 now right. if this was up to me like i made would have been a live video yeah this would have been a live video yeah but that's because if i have to edit it mm. and i have to overthink it yeah i'm gonna get too artsy fartsy right and it may not get done yeah. but if it's live I'm committed to publishing it. Right, right. You know what I mean? That's good. No, I love that idea. I got a team. I have a guy who helps edit my stuff. And so, because I just don't have time to edit, so I just pay someone to do that, mm -hmm. you know? So, but I think you get more views going live, too. If I'm I not think mistaken. the algorithm's rewarding it, too. Yeah, yeah. And so, but I love that idea. I think that's something I have to start implementing because yeah. I'm sitting on a bunch of content. I don't always use it for the podcast. Right. And so, right. How big is the church? We got about 80 members. Okay. That's, yeah. I mean, that's. More than the average size church in America. Really? What's yeah, the average, average size church is seventy-five people. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's also like average mean versus median. Okay. Because that's probably being thrown off by the mega churches. Uh, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so like, yeah, you know yeah. how like median, mean versus median works, yeah. right? So that I don't know if that's the median or the mean average. Okay. Um, but yeah, 80, 70, 70 to seventy-five people is the average church. So you're already bigger than the average church. It's so crazy you say that because we're sitting here thinking, how can we grow this? Mm -hmm. Like we're like, oh man, this is not enough. Like we're three years in, we only got eighty people. But yeah, it's just this never-ending cycle of yeah. wanting it. Yeah. Have you ever listened to the rise and fall of Mars Hill? I did. Yeah. So you remember where they talked about a lot of the mega churches were there's like founders myth yeah, yeah and then there was also like the changing demographics that they caught the wave of right 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 when they moved into the suburbs and yes. bigger homes everything yes like, yeah yeah so that's just i would tell every church planner to really think about that right. the biggest churches built it didn't happen organically right but organic man, i mean god man, god did it but it yeah, didn't happen no. because like i know what you you know like <laughs> I just started a Bible study in my home, and 50 people showed up, and then we were 5,000 yeah, people, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. stop. Man. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, talk, I was at Sean Candle's conference, and I met one of those guys, and he's like, and the way they frame it, God, and yeah. then you you peel away at the details, it's like, bro, you're in this specific part of Texas. Right, right. The mega church just shut down. Right. You got their building because yeah, the church died, yeah, yeah. and then you're 5,000 big. Yeah, stop it. Yeah, like, that's yeah. not the same as planting a church in Oceanside that's right. or in Minneapolis. Right, you know right, what I'm saying? Right, like, that's right. it's not the same thing. You're right. Yeah. You know, so so yeah. you know, if you're a church planner out there, like just know that it That's ain't. So good, man. It's it's it, it, some of that stuff is so disingenuous because right. what they don't tell you is how meticulous they are yeah. with where they go to plant the church. Right, right, right. Stephen Furtick yeah, yeah, looking yeah. and researching growing cities and going to Charlotte at the right time with yeah. the right church. With the, you know what I mean? That's real, man. So that's yeah. it's not as simple as like, man, I feel like I'm called to my local community to to have a church for them. Absolutely. You know, so that's my buddy so Jeff pastors, a, you know, in in, uh, in Oceanside or my buddy Jules has a church in Oakland. You know, you're talking about six, seven, eight hundred people yeah. over a long period of time. And that's like doing everything right. Right. You know, yeah. it doesn't get to 5,000, 10,000 people. And it's oh, like, is, do you even want that? You know, we, we've, we've been talking a lot about that. Like, do we even want to get that big? Right. Because of, yeah. Yeah, I was in, in L.A. talking to Joe, mm -hmm. and he said something that really also encouraged me, same, along the lines of what you're sharing. He was saying, 
a lot of these mega church pastors, they operate more like CEOs than they do shepherds. 100%. And so he's like, how could you really do the Lord's work if you're not shepherding, if you don't smell like the sheep, if you're mm-hmm. not with the people, if you're yeah. not crying with them, if you're not yeah. going to the hospitals, yeah. if you're, if you're, and so that, that was encouraging to yeah. hear too. Like, man, are we building a business or are we right. loving God's people? Right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And my my thought, and I just said this on my interview with Tim Ross, I think a lot of the mega church CEO pastors, yeah, if they were starting now, would probably just be content creators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? That. Like, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. they actually <laughs> wanted to be past pa- yeah. shepherds. Yeah, because pastors like whatever. What does that even mean, yeah. right? But pastor in the sense of a shepherd, right. elder, right. Right. overseer of yeah. a local ecclesia. Right. I don't know if these guys wanted to be that. I right. think they were like, I'm got a big personality. I love Jesus. Yeah. I guess you're a pastor. Yeah. And I guess I'm a pastor, right? <laughs> yeah. And so. Uh, Yes, you're spot on. That's a, that's a really good assessment, a good assessment by Joe, yeah. too. Yeah, well, what would you say, real quick, because uh, I love to pick your brain on this, um, just this idea of wanting to build the biggest church. Do you think that's healthy, unhealthy? I think if it grows organically, you talked about how that, that's helpful, but just like off the rip, this is why we want to plant, to build the biggest church we can build. How do you feel about that? I think if you want to build the biggest church for the sake of building and planting churches yeah. and, and promoting leaders and promoting other pastors and caring for people, it's all about the motivation. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. I'm not mad at that. If that's the motivation. If right. you want to be, build the biggest church because you want to build the biggest brand because yeah. you want to be famous. Right. Yuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a great motivation. It's yuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. want that. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think, and then there are guys that just, you know, there's just something there and I think they're trying to navigate it. They don't really know how right, and right. what and when and they're trying to figure it out, you know, and it's, but it's just hard when those guys, you're in your, th- how old are you? I'm 31. 31. So like yeah. playing, being a church planter that early is also difficult. It's hard. Like it's hard. Yeah. You, you know, do you have kids? No, no, yeah. I'm not even married. I'm single. Yeah. yeah. So you're single, you don't have kids. It's, that's a tough place to right. be in, in life. Right. You know? Right. right. So, and then especially if you're super charismatic and you, people naturally are drawn to you, yeah. um, it, it could just be difficult. So I don't know how I feel about that. It's yeah. a, it's it's in the motivation. I would say generally speaking, the best thing to do to grow a church is grow healthy, stable people, yeah, and that's going to be speaking to them holistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if people start being transformed, it's good, man. that's going to be the biggest sign, yeah. wonder, draw. If like your eighty people are getting shepherded, yeah. are growing in their faith, are growing in the sanctification process, right. are considering um, their decisions, their health, their fitness, their financial literacy, and like it becomes this all-inclusive, transformative. Like, yeah. that's the biggest commercial and banner right. out there, in my right. opinion. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I think, um, yeah, my mentor said, you know, he, he once told me, uh, instead of focusing on building a church, build people. Yep. You know, build the people in your community. And yeah, uh, I love Jesus' priestly prayer in John 17, where he's like, the world will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. Mm-hmm. And I think right now we want the world to know we are Jesus' disciples by having the biggest lights, Amen. the biggest speakers, the biggest worship leaders. And that's like false advertising. Yep. You know, that's not. It's what kind really... of a bait and switch too. Yeah. <laughs> and we were talking about Gen Z earlier. Gen yeah. Z is not attracted to that. Yep. You know, you can't fool them with. They're they're more. Um, yeah, Christian was just talking about this. They're more drawn to character than they are charisma. Yeah. Which I'm so thankful for because millennials, we mm-hmm. we bought we bought the hype, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. line and sinker, yeah, man. Yeah. So, but man, this was so great. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate all the wisdom that you poured into this episode. I just wanted to give you one last chance. If you had anything on your heart that you want to share to those tuning in and wanting to pursue their dreams um, or pursue um, the assignment that God has for them in this particular season, yeah. uh, what would be your what would be your t- what would be your encouragement? I'd say get aligned with God yeah. and the way He would have you live. Yeah. 
sometimes we have a false dichotomy between faith and works and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I would say, you're saved by grace through faith. Yeah. You're a child of God. Yeah. Act like it. Mm. Live like it. Yeah. Get it. Get in order. Get the, go work through the trauma. Go yeah. work through all the junk. Yeah. You figure it out. And th that I think is, in my opinion, actually the pathway to figuring out what right. you're supposed to be doing in a specific vocation. Yeah. That's good. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you again for your time and your wisdom. I hope that blessed y'all family. I hope that was good to you. Um, I hope this stirred you in the right direction and uh, you were blessed by it. Until next time, family. Peace.